Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, my talkers, you're probably wondering why we talked a lot about movies in that first hour. Well, it's because not only do we have Lori here, but we have Mr. Chris Seward here as well as we get the four o'clock hour underway here on Lori and Julia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris, for being here. Thank you for letting me be here. Filling in. I'm just watching something that Grant posted for us, and it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what. I think I was just feeling, like, stressed out with stuff that was in the news. And so sometimes I like to, like, look at, you know, Twitter for fun animal things, and there's this... uh, this Dutch account called, uh, or maybe it's uh, yeah, Butengieden is what it's called. And um, Grant had sent this to me, and it's like someplace, it looks like the Serengeti, but it's someplace in Africa, and there's a river, and this mama elephant is showing the teenage elephant how to kneel on the bank to get down to the river. And the teenage elephant, at this post on our show page, he just ends up rolling right off. <laughs> <laughs> and and doubt in the thing, and it just it just made me laugh because uh, honestly, when you seeing elephants in the wild is like that's gonna be one of my highlight f- photographic memories in my mind. Being with my dad and um, having this family of elephants come crashing out of the bush, like right in front of our jeep, and you know there were like. 14 of them and it was like something out of the jungle book because first yeah they live in big herds and there was moms and aunts and then there were you know they look like teenage elephants and then (laughs) there's a couple of baby elephants and they're tiny and they hold on to the mom's tail and then the very last elephant coming up is the huge bull huge and the ground is shaking and they're just eating and they just couldn't care less about you they just kind of look at you it's so cute. So I don't know. I really love watching these elephant videos. I kind of love now that you said that, picturing a teenage elephant going like, Mom, I don't want to go to the savannah. I know. Yeah, I don't want to go down there. And she just rolls down. It's Stupid so, tourists. It's super, super cute. And then um, because it is Robert Redford's uh, birthday today, living legend, 86 years old, and um, Robert Redford... I don't know if you remember a show on the BBC with Michael Parkinson. He was an interviewer back in the day in the early, you know, 1980. Probably not. Yeah, we wouldn't have got, how would we have watched the BBC in 1980? Oh, right. Right. We couldn't have watched it. It was the Dark Ages. It was the Dark Ages. Three stations and public television. That was it. (laughs) Four years before MTV even comes. But Robert Redford, um, was on with Michael Parkinson and 
If you watch this show called The Last Movie Star, which is about Paul Newman, this story is in the very last episode, but it's like told to us. This story that is in The Last Movie Star, we're now going to hear from Robert Redford's own mouth about a running practical joke that he had with Paul Newman, and they did not know each other until they did Butch Cassidy. Correct? Uh, That's what I remember. And I really liked that last movie star. Um, I thought that was terrific. Me too. It was so, so good. Clever of Ethan Hawke, the way he did that. Maybe he could do Robert Redford next. Maybe he could, but Bob is still alive, still with us, so I don't know. And they (laughs) never talked about it we do learn that in the last movie survey it's like oh there's the story that's where it came out of bob's own mouth on a bbc show with michael parkinson in 1980 yeah ethan should have gotten the rights to that and kind of interspersed in the telling of it in the documentary yeah oh i that had to be so overwhelming thank goodness that all those tapes that paul newman um made talking to his friends and families about recollection when he was going to do a memoir that it had all been transcribed. Yeah. And that he forgot that it had been transcribed. transcribed apparently, right. So he didn't throw that into the fire along with the tapes. Yeah. And the other thing I liked about the last movie star was like having a whole new re appreciation for like how amazingly talented Joanne Woodward is. Well, and also what a weird career she had because yes, a, Fantastic actor wins an Oscar practically out of the gate. Yeah. And yet, if you said, what are the fantastic Joanne Woodward movies that you need to see? It's kind of hard to name any. Yeah. I mean, even Three Faces of Eve isn't a very good movie, even though she's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. She never got cast in good stuff somehow. Yeah, I know. And then when I saw the scene from Sybil, I was like, I forgot Joanne Woodward was the therapist and. Sybil, and I thought that was sweet how um, Sally Field was like, yeah, Joan Woodward fought for me to play that part. She got me out of, you know, television. I was going to be typecast. Yeah, I think she said that Joanne Woodward said, I'm not going to play this part yeah. if you don't hire Sally Field. Yeah. Anyway, um, happy birthday, Robert Redford. There's nobody quite like you. Here's to 86 more. Yeah. All right. Listen, we come back. Chris Hewitt is going to do random thoughts today, and the random thoughts are going to be on Agatha Christie. Woo. We'll be right back. You know, I saw this story the other day. Did you ever notice that? You know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if... And now, Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. Okay, we just got to give this alert. Um, Bob the Cat just tweeted us a half hour ago. Duran Duran is at the, the Minneapolis Institute of Arts wandering around looking at the Van Gogh exhibit. They're, <laughs> they're at Treasure Island tomorrow night. All of the Duran Durans, does it say? That's what Bob the Cat. Duran Duran is here, and he's there, too. Exciting. I know it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, they're in town tomorrow night and playing at TI outside. That'll be hopefully no rain, and that sounds... I love Duran Duran. I love their music. Have you ever seen him? I never have. Hmm. I know. Maybe a little trip to Red Wing for you. Possibly, possibly. All right, so what are we doing for random thoughts today? You say Agatha Christie. I always forget what a nut you are for Agatha Christie. I totally am. I read all of her books when I was in probably junior high, and then I read them again about five or six years ago and blogged. I read them in the order in which they were published and blogged about them. 
Uh, I have a Tumblr if anybody wants to oh, read. Oh, really? <clears throat> okay. Chrisandchristie.tumblr.com, I think, is the address. Um, but do you know who the uh, best-selling novelist of all time is? Is it Agatha Christie? It is Agatha Christie, and it's not even close. Uh, she's, I think, two billion sold, and the oh next closest is one quarter of that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, why do you love Agatha Christie novels? Like, let's say people think, "Oh, that's an it's a dusty author," and I think I've only read Ten Little Indians. Uh-huh. That's the only I get the Christie. I don't even think I read Murder on the Orient Express. Um, I think people would be surprised at how funny she is, mm-hmm. and I think people might be surprised. Like in my head, even the second time I ran read them, I was thinking that they have this kind of not existing in any particular time quality. That they just sort of, you know, you can't really identify the setting or. Those elements, but Mm -hmm. you can. They almost read, especially when you read them chronologically, like a history of mid-century England from the late 20s to the late or middle 70s, basically. Mm -hmm. So you learn a lot about how England worked. And she's funny. Uh, She has... Is every book a mystery? uh, She wrote, I think, six books under a different name, Mary Westmacott, that are romances, but all of the... Roughly 70 books are mysteries, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's something fun about trying to sort of solve it and not being able to, and then at the very end when she sort of reveals all, thinking, oh yeah, that little thing was in the back of my mind, but I never quite was able to access it and and get tumbled to the solution before the detectives did, but I probably had all the information I needed and I could have done it if, in a, if I had been just a little bit smarter than I was. Yeah. And that's true the second time you read them, too. Uh, and it's also true if you read them remembering who did it. It's fun to see how the kind of pieces fall into place. And she's, like, when you look around, she's kind of everywhere. Like, for instance, do you know what famous rapper name-checked her in a song within the last five years? No. Eminem. In a song called Campaign Speech. Uh, and this is sort of late Eminem. But Agatha Christie is a great name. It's a great name it for is, that job, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, you know, I'm thinking I'm not, you know, obviously any, I'm, I'm no substitute for Julia in this regard, mm-hmm. and I don't think Agatha Christie ever had cheek implants. Yeah. But, in fact, she had some pretty big cheeks. She didn't even need cheek implants. Yeah. But, yeah, she's got a, it almost feels like, well, what else could she have done but become a mystery writer with that name? And I feel like, wasn't there, was there just a movie about her or a book about her t- three missing weeks or a period of time when she herself went missing? There have been a few uh, books. There was a movie uh, with Vanessa Redgrave playing Agatha Christie in the late 70s. It's called Agatha. Dustin Hoffman plays a detective who's trying to figure out what's going on. But yeah, that's a big thing that's interesting about her is that she has this big, huge mystery about herself. She... Uh, her mom died and her first husband, she was married twice. Her first husband left her in, I want to say 1929, pretty close to each other. And she had some sort of mental health episode. She disappears for, I think it's 11 days and the whole, she was pretty famous in England at this time. Not so much here yet, Mm -hmm. but she was pretty famous. And so England's papers all have these stories about you know, abandoned car discovered by the side of the road. She left her kid with the nanny at home. Her husband's off. 
what happened to her. People thought she was dead, maybe committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. Turns out she was in this a spa kind of hotel that she checked into under the name of the woman her husband was cheating on her with. Oh. So there's like a little bit of potential, I don't know, revenge or something going on there. Um, did she leave that husband after that? She did. She did. She uh, ended up marrying an archaeologist who was her second husband, who she was married to for a long time, although he apparently cheated on her, too. Um, but she also, so this happens in 1929. She lives, I think she died in 1975 or 1976. Never commented on it. She even wrote an entire autobiography. And never commented on that. Never said what happened. So people have kind of pieced it together. And like you said, there have been fictional and non-fictional accounts over the years of what may have happened and what was going on in her head. And we don't know for sure. Yeah. So there's even you, mystery. do you consider yourself almost an Agatha Christie scholar? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I would use the word scholar, but nerd, nerd would definitely be a word you could probably apply. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just amazed that she sold that two billion books. Yeah, and she, you know, remains super popular. You'll see her in airplanes. The Guthrie is doing an adaptation of mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express next spring. Is that her best-known work because it's the one that's been adapted so many times? It probably is. Either mm-hmm. that or the book you referred Ten to earlier, Indians. which is now usually called And Then There Were None. Oh, is has, that what they're called? Is it's that... been filmed, and it was it was originally published with a considerably worse title, title with a word that we would not yeah. want to say on the air. But yeah. Uh, it's probably been filmed even more times than Murder on the Orient Express. But Murder on the Orient Express was the Kenneth Branagh movie. It's the far superior Albert Finney movie, and it was also a TV movie with Jessica Chastain that the I think BBC did probably mm-hmm. six or seven years ago. So it it's one of the those are probably the two that people are most apt to know. And I feel like, and then there were none. There was like a I've seen some TV shows using that premise. There was a great show on the CW about this group of 20-somethings that go to this island and they all start getting picked off one by one. Family Guy did it. Yeah. Actually, Ruth Ware had a book that came out called One by One within the pandemic, probably yes. two years ago, that was essentially a riff on yes, and then it was. there were none. So, yeah, it's definitely one of those. She's kind of created this archetype that people are constantly uh, imitating. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, you know, created not just one, but two detectives who are totally still with this. One is Hercule Poirot, who is in... Uh, I've never said his name right. Say it again. Hercule Poirot. I've always called him Hercules Poirot. (laughs) (laughs) Close. Say it again. Hercule Poirot. Oh, so. (laughs) I know how to spell it. I'm glad you said that. But I don't know how to to pronounce it. Because it looks like Hercules. It does. And it's uh, Belgian, so yeah, I'm probably massacring it myself. I think but. I think you're doing a very good job. So, so all these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world, and the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you. And let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game. And you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. <laughs> and Miss Marple, which oh, is a Ms. lot Marple. easier to pronounce. Yeah. Uh, who's only in about 15 or so of the books, but they're some of the most memorable ones. And is Murder, She Wrote basically Miss Marple? Kind of. Kinda. I mean, it's sort of an updating of it. Miss mm-hmm. Marple would have been active in like the 40s and 50s and yeah. 60s predominantly. But And there's, I mean, one thing that's kind of amazing to me about Agatha Christie that I didn't really realize the first time through, but she has a book that I think she wrote in 1951, 1952 called A Murder Is Announced that has a lesbian couple in it. That's very obviously meant to be accepted as a lesbian couple, and that's not, even though homosexuality was criminalized at that point in the United Kingdom. Right. She totally. Not to be decriminalized until like 1974 or something. Yeah, a long, a long, long time. time. Later. And yet, Aether Christie seems to be, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, well, this is a part of life. And yeah. So, and she wasn't as ahead of her time in some other areas, particularly with regard to race and stuff like that. But she also, you know, was sheltered and grew up in a small town as a wealthy kid in England. But when she starts traveling, then I think she does become much more. Her eyes get opened. Yeah, which is what happens when you travel. She traveled a lot. She went, her because her husband was an archaeologist, she spent a lot of time in Mesopotamia, in quotation marks, and Egypt. And mm-hmm. so... A lot of her books end up taking place in some of those places, too. That's right. That's right. The Nile is the book. Death on the Nile, Death which was a Nile. Kenneth Branagh movie mm-hmm. earlier this year. Yeah. So he likes Agatha Christie, too. He does. Obviously. Supposedly he's making another one. Another yeah. one. Okay. All right. Well, there. Now you people are almost up to date on your Agatha Christie. We know Duran Duran's at the Art Institute. So if you've been trying to pick those guys up for years and years, you got to put the pedal to the metal and get over there. <laughs> Chris and I just can't stop talking over here. We keep forgetting we have a show to do. Um, okay, so um, I thought you might be interested in this story. So um, it's being, it's coming to us. It's Ryan Murphy. He's doing a second um, feud. Uh, did you watch the first one? The yeah, of, course. of course, of course. I'm a gay man. Yeah, of course. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was so good. I just loved every juicy thing about it. So the second feud is going to be, uh, it's based on the best-selling book, Capote's Women, A True Story of Love, Betrayal, and a Swan Song. So it's going to be feud swans. Here is the casting. All right. We got a few more. Um, By the way, Truman Capote's favorite writer. Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. Look at that. How you tied that back in there. <laughs> um, and um, Truman Capote, really, I, I remember reading In Cold Blood at way too young of an age. Uh, like, every time I read that book, I can't sleep. I know. I was like in seventh grade and like I, it was like not a book. My mom was like, that's not a book for you. You know, and so of course I wanted to read that book. It's and so good. It's so good. And then, um, anyway, so he, uh, you know, he's this wonderkind author. If you don't know who Truman Capote is and he wrote breakfast at Tiffany's, that's the other thing that people know that he did. And he lived in New York and he had all these very, famous or infamous or wealthy women that were, he called his swans, Lee Radziwill, Babe Paley, who was married to Bill Paley, who was the head of CBS for like 40 years. Um, CZ Guest, just a lot of society women, shall we say. All in the international best dress list. Yes, yes. And 
Who was the book that he wrote that they all answered prayers? Answered prayers. And that was a great book. Mm -hmm. Great book. Anyway, so this will be a juicy story because there is so much there. And the number of famous people to require all these playing all these other people. So here's here's who's cast. Tom Hollander is going to play Truman Capote. Okay. The series is going to be set in the 70s, early 70s. Maybe it'll even start with the, it won't be the black and white ball because that's like 62, but it'll be set in the 70s and end with Truman Capote dying in 1984. And so Tom Hollander is going to play Truman. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm okay with that. I think he's a terrific actor. Yeah. And people don't have a lot of associations with him, even though he's been in a million things. So, yeah, I think that could work. Okay. um, Callista Flockhart is going to play Lee Radziwill. Oh, great. I know. We haven't seen her in anything in forever, and she's certainly thin enough to play Lee Radziwill. And she kind of looks like her. Kind of does. Um, Diane Lane will play Slim Keith. Oh. Um, Naomi Watts will play Babe Paley, the wife of CBS head Bill Paley, and Chloe Savigny. Am I saying her name right? Savigny. Savigny plays CZ Guest. Oh. Another... um, you know, society lady. So it is really an all-star uh, cast. And Gus Van Sant, Van Sant is directing all eight episodes. Oh, that's a very good sign, isn't it? And it's called Feud: Capote's Women. It's a. I. Uh, it could be great. I think it's a, such an intriguing story because he wrote this book in which he spilled all of the secrets that all of them had been telling him for 20 years and somehow he didn't get that they were going to be mad and that they were going to stop being his friends so it's this like almost shakespearean tragedy of him thinking well they know i'm a writer of course i write their secrets and them dropping him like a stone they cut him off and even though i think some of the women like really missed him like that's the thing I wonder. Like, were they just using him? No, they or? they they just think he betrayed. You can't. He kept their secrets for all those years, right. built up this trust, and then he's the ultimate betrayal, and writes a book. And even though he doesn't name by name, anybody who knows anyone in New York can read between the lines and know who's Bay Paley and who's Lee Radswell. They had to cut him out. But it's almost like they think of him as this sort of court jester who's yeah, not a real he very much was. person or something. He, I mean, he that's how he, that is kind of maybe, and that's what he didn't like, is that he was like this confidant, and they shared with him, because I read this book, Answered Prayers. I loved it. I thought it was so Me good. Too. It was so juicy. It's actually better than the Capote's Woman book is, although that book's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. What they're basing this on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, it was probably just hurt them, and he was probably hurt. Maybe that's why he started, who knows, he might have been coming home and writing stories, you know, every, you know, keeping a little, like, diary or, diary or something, and maybe he felt stabbed in the back or something. Maybe, yeah. like if How he, they treated him. Right. If he was just sort of a convenient... Mm-hmm guest at parties or whatever, and they didn't really care about him as a person. I don't know. I'm intrigued by all of All that. of it. Same. It's going to start filming in New York this fall. So we're not going to see it for about a year. About a year. And, um, yeah, so I do think it's going to be good. And the guy who's writing it, John Ro- Robin 
Bates has won oh, a Tony and a he's Pulitzer. He's a fantastic playwright. Yeah. yeah. So Ryan Murphy and uh, Plan B, Brad Pitt's production company, Oops. are producing this. But I like this idea. And um, I really enjoyed Feud. I did, too. I'm a little skeptical of Ryan Murphy, so I th- it sounds like he's maybe taking his hands off this a little bit, and I think that might be good. I think that is going to be good. I think he's been overextended. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's that's like the TV news that um, I wanted to share with you because I knew you would like that one. And that'll be for Hulu, do we think? Yeah. Or does it say? It doesn't say. It's going to be FX. Okay. Ryan Murphy, that's pretty much where he does everything. It's going to be an FX uh, series. So he, he's got some kind of a deal with them. Good. Yeah, so that's happening. Um, by any chance, did you watch, were you a fan of Better Call Saul? Did you watch that TV show? I did not watch. I never saw you missed it or, or Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Oh, oh, for goodness sake. I don't know. The whole meth thing just, uh, I didn't think I could handle it. Two of the best shows ever on TV. I know. Yeah, Agreed, right? Just so good. Just, I'm a fool. You know... Yeah, you've got other things to watch. Chris. You're busy re- reviewing movies and plays sometimes. Yes, right. Which reminds me, are you? Oh, can I switch topics? Yeah. Are you, are you watching Industry? No. There is so much sex on that show, and they make Why such aren't poor I watching decisions. Industry? You should watch it. What is that on? on? It is on HBO Max. No, it's on HBO, HBO. actually, and HBO Max. You know what? A, My brother has told me about this show. It's a British series, and it's one of those shows about fresh-faced newcomers into a, a high pay, a fast-paced business world. In this case, the world of London finance. Oh, and there's all this stuff about hedge funds that I do not understand right. at all. But all five—I think it's five of these young people. Uh, make terrible decisions, sleep with the wrong people. Sounds take like everybody in their drugs 20s. at exactly the wrong time. Exactly. And you're like, oh, okay, this is when you're supposed to make mistakes. Yeah. They all sleep with each other. Oh, gosh. This it's sounds good. really frank. And it's really interesting because it's a little bit like succession in that nobody is the good guy. Mm-hmm. I think you would like it. Oh, I for sure would. You're not the first person. My brother has been telling me about this show. I still need to start on succession. Um, Do you? I mean, I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah, listen, I you know, I really don't know. Uh I think that show, like, I hated the second season of it. It was yeah. everything that was going on, they are the Murdochs. I feel like Rupert Murdoch could be charged with a crime in this country for what oh. he's done. And so there's part of me that feels ill at ease about the whole everything, the cold heartedness of how you can manipulate people's minds with media and having opinion blended in with news. And I just hate everything of the Rupert murdification of that's the part of succession that maybe I, that's why I didn't like that second season. Yeah. And the third season didn't get good till the last three episodes. It was painful watching that show. Yeah. I mean, those people are so awful, yeah. and the stuff they're doing has such an impact. Yeah, which at least industry, you know, these it are minor have, players, right? So you right, don't have right. That, and they're naked all the time. So. Yeah, Josh, I can think of like uh, other shows that you might want to get on board. Yeah, the there's a with. lot that I need to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. there's I, only I'm only so sitting much time. at the other studio for a few hours on Netflix. Maybe I'll find something there. Possibly, possibly. I know the show that Casey and I finished watching last night, six episodes, Gary Oldman, absolutely fantastic. Kristen Scott Thomas, slow 
Horses. Oh, yeah. That's one I need to catch up with. On Apple, Apple Plus right now has the best shows. For All Mankind, Blackbird with Ray Liotta and Taryn Egerton. You know, um, this show, Slow Horses. I mean, Severance. it took... Severance. It took them a while to get going, but the morning show, they have... They got money Five to Five Days spend. of Memorial. Yes. They, you watched that? No, I haven't watched that one yet. Me either. I yeah. I so, love that book. Anyway, I recommend Slow Horses, and Ooh. it's based on um, a series of books by this British author. It's a spy thriller. So if you're somebody you like, you know, um, um, you know, Tehran or Jack Ryan or, you know, any kind of a spy thriller premise, this guy, they filmed two seasons back to back, and they've ordered a third and fourth, but it is... It is really witty. It is really brilliant. And Gary Oldman is so good. And Kristen Scott Thomas and Sophie Akinawando or Uh, Okinido. Yeah, Okinido. She has a small part in it, but it's just, yeah, it's about the M5, the agents, like their version of the CIA. MI5, yeah. Yeah, MI5. It's really, really terrific. Sophie, just because this is the only thing I can talk mm-hmm. about, Sophie Okunido is in that Death on the Nile that came out earlier this year. There you go, Agatha Christie. We've brought it around to Agatha. I love her. I'll stop. I love her, though. Oh, yeah, she plays a jazz singer in that. Oh, she's so she's And beautiful. So yeah, she's just so, so good. And, um, yeah, so it's a terrific, and it's just six, six episodes. That's appealing it kind of is and it reminded me of that show that was just one season It never he kind of got busy being a movie star richard madden and the bodyguard bodyguard yeah that was that was a good one but anyway really recommend slow horses and just recommend apple plus because i think too for all mankind you have three seasons of that and that's just absolutely blow you away ridiculous so um anyway we gotta go. It's time to Hollywood speak, Chris. Oh, good. We'll be right back. So, what are you trying to say? Hollywood! Hollywood speak What is the meaning of this? Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Chris, are you ready to Hollywood speak? I'm Hollywood swinging. You're Hollywood swinging and speaking. Um... Andrew Garfield posted a photo with a fan while on vacation in Bali. There's the photo. And what do you think the reaction has been from fans? Thirst? (laughs) We can't stop. I mean, I can't believe someone actually met Andrew Garfield shirtless in Bali. And I wasn't one of them. Of all the places to run into somebody. And when did he become... So ripped. Beefy. Yeah. Like he always just seemed kind of, you know, skinny and Mm -hmm. British and whatever. But he's like a. Hey, sexy. Yeah. Hey, sexy. Totally. I just don't think we've seen Andrew on vacation with a light beard and shirtless in Bali. And, you know, maybe some potato chips in his belly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Something's going on there. He looks real good. But hasn't he already announced that he's taken like two years off or something like that? Yeah. But. Maybe he'll come back as a bear. He's just, yeah, he's not coming back as Spider-Man, that's for sure. He's going to rest for a bit. Okay. And be ordinary. Well, he's entitled, and that does not look ordinary to me, but 
you know. <laughs> Bally. I, know. I mean, maybe for Bally, it's ordinary. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it is. I think it is. Okay, here's the headline. Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, quote unquote, don't speak to her. Don't speak to each other. She's, quote unquote, upset. Well, I mean, delivering the papers in the middle of her speech at that movie convention. Comic Con. Yeah. That seemed like kind of a low <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> low blow. Yeah. Um, they don't speak to each other. And um, so they have help communicating about the custody schedule. So the Hollywood speak on that is that each of them has an assistant. Mm-hmm. And the uh, two assistants speak to each other and then speak to Olivia and Jason and then speak to each other again. That's how would you like to be one of those two assistants? Yeah. So it's telephone game parenting. Yes. That's going to work out really well for everybody concerned, I'm sure. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know, Jason. That that wasn't, you know, you're not, never going to get on your ex's good side doing the public humiliation thing. No. That wasn't a tactical move when you're she's the mother of your children. Nope. It really isn't. And now she won the lawsuit. The judge declared the children's home state is California. Oh. Jason wanted it to be New York. And the judge said no. L.A. Because that's where they've gone to school like the last two years or something. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, well, this is the dangers of being a bi-coastal family and, um, you know, having children together and... Actually, being a tri-coastal because he's been filming Ted Lasso in London. Well, and she's with Harry Styles, who I assume spends some time there too. So yeah, but anyway, so it's ugly. So that's too bad. I was rooting for those kids. I thought they were a very appealing couple. No, yeah, very much so. And they, oh, he always praised her. I mean, I, I don't know. I would have never have guessed though. Like I remember when those two got together, I was like, oh, the lady from House and the guy from SNL. Didn't see that coming. And they met at an SNL, you know, after party. And that seems to be quite a place to pick up people. No kidding. That's Scarlett Johansson and Colin Joe's story, too, right? Yes. Oh, and... Uh, Kim Kardashian and Pete. And I think Aidy Bryant and her husband, yeah. too. Yeah, it's a real hotbed of uh, meeting I, and mingling. I, I gotta get myself to those SNL No parties. kidding. Get so, yeah. Me a man. They need. They have help communicating about the custody schedule. The two assistants. Oh boy! How do you suppose the lawyers figure into that too? Like the Olivia talks to her lawyer, who talks to her assistant. No, I think that she just. I think the two assistants that they each have someone. They cannot speak to each other at all. At all. Yeah, I worry about those kids. Yeah. Well, it's you know. Who maybe have assistants who speak through intermediaries for them. Exactly. <laughs> at preschool. Exactly. Okay, so could you Hollywood speak? Kanye West, I'm going to show you uh, how he's selling his Easy Gap stuff. I've seen that image. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, this, and, and so here's what uh, Kanye had to say about it. He said, I'm an innovator. I'm not here to sit up and apologize for my ideas. This is not a joke. This is not a game. This is not a celebrity collaboration. I'm fighting for a position to be able to change clothing and bring the best designs to people. And they are not trash bags. They're construction bags that he's selling them. (laughs) 
basically every time I sneeze, you should be grateful for my emissions. I guess. I mean, to me, those look like they took those uh, blue and yellow bags from Ikea Mm -hmm. and stuck them in the mud and then piled a bunch of hoodies in them. Yeah, that is it. So he got he got very mad because it's the Yeezy Gap engineered by Balenciaga. So the Hollywood speak on that. These hoodies are $250. Right. Right. And um, I guess, you know what, I, I wish that someone had pressed him on it. Because last week he said this collection was inspired by the homeless. And then to put his clothes in things that look like what a homeless person might have to carry all their belongings in is so gross. It is. I mean, it's no different from like America's Next Top Model's heroin chic shoot in terms of its tone deafness. Boy, how about that? How Tyra Banks has not aged well. That show hasn't aged well at all. No, telling people to lose weight and... The only one I think who aged well on that one was Miss J and J Manuel. You know, I love those two guys. Yeah. But Tyra, every once in a while on Twitter, it will come up and America's Next Top Model will, you know, share her traumatic story of what it was like being under Tyra the Tyrant. That's such a recurring thing, too, sadly. like I feel like that's just every other month there's something that just floats to the surface from that show. That from that show? Somebody it, being abused verbally by her and whoever else was kind of, you know, body shaming. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, you know, she was trying to whip these gals into being models. Or, and I watched that show. It was oh, like me kind of, too. Yeah. I, it was so like way after I should have stopped. Things. I watched the season when it was men and women even. Oh, I didn't. I stopped before that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I stopped before I that. You lasted you. <laughs> longer than I did. Uh, any predictions on Dancing with the Stars being only available on Disney Plus? Uh, no one's going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> would be mine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does anybody still watch it anyway? Like it actually on? did okay. I mean, you know, oh. yeah. The, this yes, she has been the most annoying thing. They the worst thing they did was get rid of Tom. Um, Man, I'm really out of the loop. Then I didn't know Tom left. Tom Bergeron got fired. Oh and man! And they replaced him with Tyra Banks. Yikes! Yeah, is, I'm way out of loop on that. Then I loved having Tom as the host. Of course, yeah. She's she's not a good. It was not a good fit. But I think she had like a three year contract. Wow. It's a great show. It's passable. It's not as great as it was, you know, five, ten years ago when I watched it. But well, I, I wouldn't say it's like I as love good as, yeah. 2020. Anne Haish was on. And yeah. She oh, was wow. absolutely darling. Really? And we were just rooting and cheering for her. Oh, she had a she was very zesty. She was a quite a good contestant. Huh. And, you know, she people go on that show to re you know, kick in their career. and Yeah, Liz Cheney maybe will be on this next season, do you think? No, I don't know. I'll have to plead the fifth on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's a... William Shatner was uh, on... um, William Shatner? Yeah, he was on the, uh, The Daily Show, and he said this about Elon Musk. He's part Thomas Edison, part Iron Man, part annoying dude in the group chat. I mean, I would say a very big part annoying dude in the group chat. But that's a pretty good observation. I'm surprised William Shannon knows what a group chat is. So I, I, I salute him. Yeah. He's hip. I suppose He's hip he has one with Michelle Nichols and George Takai, maybe still. Yeah. Well, he did go up in the, you know, this Jeff Bezos rocket. Oh, that's true. He went up in the big blue vibrator ship. Because <laughs> that's what it looks like. It looks like a big blue vibrator. It's. 
It really does. Good depiction. It's yeah. such, it is, I mean, the perfect mushroom tip cap and then the <laughs> nice, thick, you know. We need one in the Walker Sculpture Garden. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Right next to the big blue. Okay, how about this? Gwyneth Paltrow becomes the first Oscar-winning actress to be a guest judge on Shark Tank. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, her movie career is quite a ways behind her. Yeah. I guess she is a... She's an, an annoying innovator. entrepreneur. She's <laughs> yeah. an annoying entrepreneur. We can say that. She's made a fortune promoting ridiculous things. Yeah. And, I mean, she knows her way around a disgustingly scented can- candle. So. Yeah. That's right. She's also got a $314 fry pan for one egg. That's available. Okay. I believe I bought that thing at Menards, the little single egg pan, and I think it was five ninety nine. That sounds like Man, you the got right a good price. deal on it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Teflon. It's real three hundred fourteen dollars for an egg pan. Are you kidding me? Wow! Is that thing sprouting eggs? Better be a good. Also, egg. I don't think Gwyneth makes her own eggs anyway. No kidding. Anyway, Casey will be super annoyed when that episode airs. Oh, he's a fan. He oh, I love Shark Tank. That's his um, Real Housewife. Well, maybe that you can deadliest catch. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, listen, we'll be back.